Mike one, Mike one, isn't this lot of fun? Welcome to my kitchen table again. Uh, it's Did You America? He's Jeremy, I'm Canfield, and this is episode... Uh, 13? 14? 1300. 9 million. <laughs> uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, don't forget, if, you, if you've missed the other uh, 8 million... 999,999. Is that the right number? Yeah, that was impressive. Oh, look at me knowing that. <laughs> uh, then uh, you can hear the rest of them that you haven't heard so far if you go to didyouamerica.com. That is the place to head for all things relating to this show. Um, I don't know if this is going to become a semi-regular feature, but Jeremy would like to uh, start today's Did You America podcast with an inspirational quote from a friend of his on Facebook. Yes, I... Uh... I woke up this morning, I needed a little inspiration, you know, so I turned to where anyone turns to, social media, uh -huh. and uh, I found my friend Murray, who isn't usually one to post motivation, but, you know, he had a good message for people out there. He says, if you're struggling for motivation, just realize that Bezos didn't even get his first million until he was like 35. Now, the issue is, if you're older than 35, you may be screwed, because the next part of his message is... If you're over 35, then you might as well wrap it up, though. It's over for you, bro. These kind of inspirational messages where someone is trying to make others feel better about themselves and they show you the yeah, but example. <laughs> right. Bezos is a, is a great example of the yeah, but example. It, it, it's true. It took Bezos until into his 30s to make his first million, and now he's the richest person on Earth. But the amount of people who don't make their first million until they're 30-something, they're few and far between. It's like, um, you know, I, I occasionally I, I'll read uh, the, uh, the the story of Simon Cowell, where, the, where they'll tell you that before he became famous on the TV talent shows, um, he was kind of a failed music executive in the UK. He worked for various record labels. He signed really bad artists. Right. And he had such a bad track record in the music business that uh, in his early 30s, he was back to living in his parents' house. So when people go, oh, you know, it's not so bad because, you know, Simon Cowell, look at him now. But when he was 33, he had to move back in with his parents. Again, it's the yeah, but example. But my yeah, but to that yeah, but is if you are 33 and living with your parents, you're probably a loser and you will be for the rest <laughs> of your life. Like that is way more likely that you are just a loser and will stay a loser rather than you becoming what Simon Cowell did in his 40s and his 50s. Right. Like who's the girl who wrote uh, Harry Potter, uh, J.K. Rowling? Right, 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 right. Like there's always that meme that goes around. that's like, oh, she was homeless till she was 33. You're like, Oprah didn't have this amount of money till she was in her. 40s and it's just like yeah well like those are the exception to the rule yeah yeah yeah. Uh, people need to be more like me i i've given up on reaching high levels of success in fact when i was a kid i would always tell people you know most people they want to be astronauts basketball players i wanted to be a bad guy that smoked that's what i told everyone was that what your career's advisor meeting was at school they definitely weren't thrilled my mom was definitely a little bit embarrassed that i would tell everyone this but guess what mom by 14 i was smoking cigarettes and by 18 i had been arrested so <laughs> goals complete what else do i have to do in life i'm i'm posted up now you are you being 28 now missed uh my generation where smoking was still kind of actively encouraged the amount of candy you could buy that was fake cigarettes <laughs> like i uh, when i was a kid i was uh, so we're talking let's say mid to late 80s when i was a little kid but old enough to understand what was going on obsessed with smoking because everyone from the older generations in my family used to do it and um i used to go to the candy store with my dad and i wouldn't buy starburst or you know whatever i would go right to the fake packets of candy cigarettes where the middle of the cigarette that would be like ash was uh chocolate and and it was edible white paper around the outside right, so it yeah. looked like a cigarette <laughs> and it came in a box that was like a cigarette box and my granddad talk about this for encouraging smoking from a young age my granddad he used to use a uh, uh, old style gasoline lighters where right, you would right. refill them. Yeah, yeah. When he'd refilled them so many times that they just didn't work properly anymore, he used to give me lighters 
and old ashtrays. So, <laughs> what a uh, gift. Uh, right? And like, you know, some kids would have been outdoors playing sports and things like that. My playtime would be when elderly, well, not elderly, but older relatives came to visit. I would be excited that I would sit in the front room as part of the family gathering with my candy cigarettes, my ashtray, and disused lighter that my granddad gave me. <laughs> and I would wait until whenever anyone lit up a cigarette and then I would do the same mimicking smoking with my um, uh, candy cigarettes, right? Yeah, see, I had every reason to think that smoking wasn't going to be cool. But for some reason, so like in the neighborhood I grew up in, we had like a, he was like a maintenance man or something like that. And he would park his van on his brakes by my house and he would smoke cigarettes. And for some reason, I thought this guy was just the coolest. So, of course, I wanted to be just like him, you know, work in a little hut for a couple dollars an hour and smoke cigs all day. <laughs> I like that that was your ambition. When I That's was, the dream. When I had my, uh, my uh, uh, careers, do they call them careers officers in the States? That's what they used to call them in the UK. I wouldn't know. I wanted to be a bad guy that smokes when I was a kid. <laughs> I, I had a meeting with my careers officer. It was a standard thing that you do when you were uh, probably 13. So it was before, up until 13 in the UK schools, um, you have to basically take all of the subjects. And then there are some that you have to continue with math and English and stuff like that. But there's others where you could, you basically choose what interests you or what you're best at. And then, right. and then you'll go forward to take exams in them. So for example, you could choose if you wanted to carry on with geography versus history. And you could choose if you wanted to do German or French as a right, foreign right. language or whatever. So when you're making those decisions for the subjects that you'll eventually take exams in to get qualified or not in, um, you have a meeting with the person that's meant to be the careers advisor. And I remember he said to me, so what, what, what do you want to do? What are you looking forward to in adult life? And my answer was retirement. <laughs> See that I think that's why we go so well together. We both had very low motivation at a young like, age. Who doesn't who doesn't who doesn't want to retire? I, yeah, like, that sounds I, wonderful. You know, yeah. I, I, I want to be like one of those uh, my granddad or the, uh, you know the the great uh, uncles around the house smoking cigarettes, not having to go to work <laughs> Monday through Friday. That's the dream. Well, now I want to retire and I want to upgrade from candy cigarettes to the real cancer <laughs> sticks. There you go. Now you understand why we need new york producer to literally do everything for us that is true yes yeah. uh he'll also tell you he never smoked see he made the right decisions rookie <laughs> uh so i've been watching um cobra kai and this is something that i thought i was gonna love and i'm, I'm not sure if i do uh we've discussed on the podcast before i do love 80s things i like retro um and i gave some of my time this week to cobra kai because uh, it's the, the spin-off of Karate Kid. Uh, and there's two seasons of it on Netflix now. And one of my buddies who was recommending it, I got into a text conversation with him and I said, I, I'm five episodes in and I don't know if it's working for me. And he said, it can come across as a bit like a teen drama. And I said, it's like Dawson's Creek, but if they cursed. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and when he said that, I suddenly thought, you know, I had high expectations for Cobra Kai but now you've put this teen drama idea into my head. I'm sitting there thinking, I feel like I will be getting the same amount of pleasure from this, i.e. not a lot, if I watch the Saved by the Bell reboot. It's, it's like, <laughs> right. are, are the kids in Saved by the Bell reboot going through the same drama as Cobra Kai? And, and therefore, it's perhaps not the 80s action sequel that I wanted. It actually is more like I'm watching Zach Morris and whatever Mario Lopez's name was in Saved by the Bell, but doing roundhouse kicks <laughs> right instead you're just watching a teen drama that makes less selena gomez jokes oh i read about that they got in trouble for that right so yeah for like, saved by the bell apparently just like felt like you know cancel culture they apparently can't joke about selena gomez right so. right yeah so i don't know if anyone's got any uh thoughts on whether i should stick with uh, cobra kai then by all means you can get in touch with us um did because last night I was thinking, is it time for my annual viewing of uh, Die Hard or shall I do another Cobra Kai? 
And, um, you know, I like an old lady bedtime. It was 9.30 and I'm thinking I'd be in bed by 10 <laughs> if I watch Cobra Kai. Right. But I got to the end of another quite disappointing teen drama like Dawson's Creek if they cursed episode. And I was thinking, I think I would have been happier staying up till 11 than watching John McClane, you know, swing from the Nakatomi Plaza for like the 18th time that I would have watched that. I mean, it's December. You kind of have to watch Die Hard. But, you know, I, I've said in the previous episode, I was actually a pretty big fan of the new Cobra Kai but that was also because I watched it while Netflix and chilling, so sex was involved. Right. So I don't really know if it's a good show. It just kind of makes me horny. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I don't you... know if I'd be the best barometer of if it's good or not. Have you got to the point of uh, being... Because you do get very concerned that every time your PC runs slowly, it's because you've been on Pornhub too much. Yeah. So are you <laughs> on a day that the... The, the PC's running very slow, but you're you're feeling horny. Do you think, should I chance another Pornhub video or should I just go to Cobra Kai? Because that, <laughs> that might do it for me instead. I just need to hear Ralph Macchio for 15 <laughs> seconds. It's all I need. <laughs> I feel like I should like it more because here comes a sort of slight name drop, but then maybe not so. So I met Mr. Miyagi uh, because... He is in the Alien Ant Farm video for movies, which was the song after Smooth Criminal, which is probably why you don't remember movies. <laughs> yeah, definitely never heard of it. So I was friends with them around Smooth Criminal when everyone was into them. Movies was the next song. And because Smooth Criminal had been such a hit, they had a big budget to film a video. And they filmed it at, um, at a movie theater in Los Angeles. And uh, the guy who played Mr. Miyagi... Pat Morita. Right. Was... Um, available to be a movie star in a song called Movies by Alien Ant Farm. And I had no idea. I, this was in my early days of being obsessed with America and I was hanging out in LA and they said, oh, you should come down to the um, to the uh, the filming. And uh, if you watch the video for Movies, there's loads of people in a movie theater basically watching Alien Ant Farm on the screen. That's part of the, the, the concept of the video. So I'm one of those people. You can't see me. But Aww, I often say, oh, I've, say, I've been in a pop video. <laughs> we, need I, a, we need to do a breakdown of this video right you can, now. You, can, you can't see me, but I was there. I was there. Okay. I was there, there filming I believe it. you. And I went out to the back and met Mr. Miyagi. So again, I've got an, more of an emotional connection than just someone who likes 80s things and the <laughs> idea that karate. Party Kid is now back in a very kind of 80s aesthetic um, Netflix show. And it's still making me feel unfulfilled. I, I mean, not only was I thinking I'd have been better off watching Die Hard, I was also thinking, is it time for my annual viewing of the Mario Lopez, Melissa Joan Hart, <laughs> Holidays in Handcuffs, ABC movie? And again, what was making me think that? Mario Lopez, Saved by the Bell, Cobra. I don't want to make the the join the dots between Cobra Kai and Saved by the Bell. I, I want something more. See, that's a really bad sign for like all the reboots and sequels that are going on in Hollywood right now because those are literally made for you. You live off of nostalgia and you way prefer the shitty sequels to the real thing. I got into some arguments with people on uh, my social media, which is uh, Ian Camfield if you go to Twitter or Camfield off the radio on um, Instagram because I posted... And I do think this is awesome. Forget having a fairy at the top of your Christmas tree. How about at the top of your tree, you have an ornament with you, which is John McClane from Die Hard diving off of the top of the Nakitoma Plaza. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, it, 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 it is really good. So I posted that as a, that said, you know, this is a great Christmas ornament. And then people started responding, agreeing. But I just couldn't let... Like, I should have just be, got involved with the love for Die Hard and, and we all could have had a fun time. I had to start posing the question to people who were communicating with me. What do you think of Die Hard 2? I prefer that one. Oh, no. <laughs> At least it was the second one and not the one they made like with Justin Long a few years ago. Is that where he's playing his kids? Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, the thing about Die Hard 2 is that it's basically the same as Die Hard, but rather than it happening at Christmas... Uh, at a, a high-rise building, it happens at Christmas at an airport, right? And most people say, well, yeah, it's the same movie, therefore it's an inferior version. I say, no, 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 no. And forget the fact that Bruce Willis also hates Die Hard 2. What does the talent know? <laughs> forget every interview he's done where he says, okay, it was a bad idea to redo the same story <laughs> right. with a weaker script. He doesn't know anything. 
I say that it, they got all of the kinks out in Die Hard 1 and basically in Die Hard 2. The only thing wrong with Die Hard 2 was they should have come up with some way to basically go, oh, you know when they threw Hans Gruber off the side of the building? He didn't really die. <laughs> they should have gone like, I know it seemed like a big drop from the top of the Nakitoma Plaza to the bottom, but what you didn't realise was there was a massive swimming pool down there. You just, you just didn't see it during the filming of the original Die Hard. Because the only thing that could have made Die Hard 2 better is if the, uh, um, the what's his name, the real guy? Alan... Um, Rickman. Alan Rickman, well done. Uh, if Alan Rickman's character, Hans Gruber came back because he actually wasn't really dead. That, that, but, but even without Hans Gruber, Die Hard 2, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's the better version. But you know why I think it's the better version? Because someone else uh, mentioned this, uh, uh, David, on um, my socials said, I only prefer it because most of the supporting cast are actors that had guest roles in 80s action TV shows. So basically, it was, it was Bruce Willis and a bunch of people whom you would never name, and they never had, like, defining starring roles in 80s TV shows. But if you watch 80s action shows, you know all of their faces because they were just the sort of nondescript bad guys that came around. You were just knocking them all out. You knew every last one of them. I was like, okay, he was the boss in Hunter. That guy played this role in the A-Team and Knight Rider. That one was really great in episode three of season one of Street Hawk, right? That's basically <laughs> that's basically Die Hard 2. So uh, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I think everyone needs to reevaluate. And also, I, I'm not interested in the is a Die Hard Christmas movie or not. It clearly is because there's loads of references to Christmas. But so is Die Hard 2. It also happens at Christmas. And I'm telling you, it's the same movie, but it's better because they figured out what did and didn't work. You're and my only, like, if I was going to do a, di a director's cut, I mean, we're too late now because poor Alan Rickman died. Right, but if yeah. I was going to do a director, could we do it with a hologram? A director's cut where we just bring Hans Gruber back. We film a load of new scenes. I where say they, just dig them up. <laughs> they go look at the swimming pool down there, and then you got Hans Gruber in it for the, the deleted scenes. See, they could do a way easier way, because apparently this movie is only going to be made for you, and, the, <laughs> and you're the only person left who would fully believe when they pull the card of like, oh, the, everything in the first movie was just a dream. Here's now the second movie. You'd be like, no, on board. The rest of it can, the rest of it can be fine i just we and, and and the idea that we think hands crew i mean it's slightly unbelievable that a man could be thrown off the top of a building that's that high rise and even if there is a swimming pool down below that he would have landed in the pool and not died during the he's a great swimmer right <laughs> you didn't know that he was a skydiving champion and he was a great swimmer and he had a great aim yeah he's a wonderful man there you go why did we try to kill him in the first place well no, well see they did because they didn't realize that they were gonna have such a hit on their hands and then the genius of die hard 2 to deal with after that yeah. which i'm telling you better version so uh lux and Shaw sent a message off the back of me arguing with all of these people about the fact die hard 2 is clearly the superior die hard movie um Asking, am I aware that uh, Working Girl is considered a sassy sister film to Die Hard thanks to Bob's Burgers? Now, what? I, 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 I've, I've watched Bob's Burgers. I don't dislike it, but I haven't... Like, I can't quote you Bob's Burgers like I just quoted you Die Hard, for example. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I was literally watching Bob's Burgers last night, but I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of the show. It's just kind of like a good like throw-on television series. Yeah. But I, I don't understand the reference. So apparently, I think it was that, uh, you know, one of the diehards was Die Hard or Die Trying, or that was one of the taglines. Get the Dead or Die Trying, right. something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, work Hard or Die Trying Girl was something they said in Bob's Burgers, and apparently they pitched the idea that Working Girl, the movie, is a sassy sister film to Die Hard. I mean, hey, whatever works. You know, who needs a sequel? We'll just watch Working Girl. Yeah. I don't know. That's very confusing. See, I'm a... Uh... When it comes to H. John Benjamin, who's like the main voice in Bob's Burgers, I'm more of an Archer fan. So, like, I'm taking it from a way different, like, more James Bondian angle. Like, I don't really understand how these two movies could be connected through. Uh, That's for sure. I also, to pique my interest, I have to then ask you how many 
A-team villains are in Working Girl because that's, you know, that that's why Die Hard 2 is working for me. I mean, like, could it, is it something to do with the cast? Are there any crossovers? Like, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Working Girl right now. Like, there has to be some clear crossover for this to make sense. I don't know. <laughs> Unless it's just one of those... I haven't watched enough Bob's Burgers to know if occasionally they just go to a different universe and throw in some retro TV like Family Guy does. I mean, for they example... They do not. <laughs> I, I, I could watch a whole episode of Family Guy and it may or may not be funny, but if they throw in a reference to 80s TV or a yacht rock band, I'm like, damn, yeah! <laughs> Great so, sewed. So, it's so good. <laughs> so good. Um, Jennifer uh, contacted us via digiamerica.com um, suggesting that... Um, if I don't want to go all in with the um, Santa Claus that I saw who was uh, wearing an American face mask and uh, driving a Harley Davidson, there's an inflatable version of the same thing at Wayfair.com for only $105. Because oh, remember, perfect. my pledge to you was that if I get a job back on the radio in DFW, which is, which is what we basically need. That's the right? goal. That's the goal. Then I'll go back to the decorator's warehouse and say, how much for your so, 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 so Texan Christmas display, which was uh, a Santa on an actual Harley Davidson wearing a face mask. She's saying that I could be all in for the inflatable one for $105. I might do that instead. Ah, it sounds like a good plan. I say, we, you know, why you even pay for it? Let's start a GoFundMe page. Uh, Denise said that the holiday warehouse is better, um, although it's not as big, if I want to go to get uh, another perspective on the Texas decorations. Although I don't know if we can t trust Denise's feedback because she said that she went to Decorator's Warehouse, which I'll remind you, in, in the great state of Texas, is basically a Costco store size Christmas store, right? right yeah. And Denise claims she went there and couldn't find a Christmas tree. I mean, I don't know how you don't find a Christmas tree in a store of that size. I don't know. Something a little fishy there. I think we have an inside job on our hands. I think Denise clearly works for the competition and Maybe. wants to keep you away from the Costco Christmas store. Either of them can sponsor this podcast, and I'll say that the other one is... <laughs> that, that, they're the best. Yeah, they're the best. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if we have to downsize uh, Santa on an actual Harley Davidson to an all-round inflatable version, fine if you want to sponsor this podcast as long as they have one tiny corner dedicated to hanukkah stuff i'm okay with it <laughs> right yeah exactly uh so didyouamerica.com if you want to uh, get in touch and talk to us about any of the things that we are discussing on this show um before we get to the votes on uh, song of the week with where we are uh, so far uh, you've got some Goo Goo Dolls news. People are, uh, I, I mean, I, 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 could, I, I, I understand me saying Die Hard 2 is better than the original Die Hard movie could be controversial. I didn't think the Goo Goo Dolls had any controversy in them. I just, I love the idea that I'm currently working the Goo Goo Dolls beat for Did You America? I, ha I handle all the Goo Goo Dolls news that we have. And trust me, there's a lot of it. Well, I have to say this about the Goo Goo Dolls. Um, I, I've seen them live twice and uh, not because well because I used to date someone who was very into the Goo Goo Dolls and you know you've I mean as I've said before this person put up with a lot of Iron Maiden <laughs> although never at a show just on YouTube you know right and right. I figured that they came home so often to find me watching Maiden on YouTube <laughs> and going are you watching the same show again and I go no 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 I keep telling you they're on tour this was a show from last night and he go, but it's the same as the show you watched from three nights ago. And I say, yeah. And he goes, but they don't ever change up the set. And I go, no. And he goes, well, why are you watching it again? I'm like, that's not the point. So basically for all that Maiden, you were like, I can listen to Iris twice live. Yeah, because they've got so few other songs, they play it twice in the set. Oh, no, you, you, no, you mean because... <laughs> you mean because I went to see them twice? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we, we went We went once because they were doing a gig and I said, yeah, okay, fine. Um, and then we went again because they did a gig the next year. What I came to find is that they're one of those bands that have got their sort of fan base. It's never going to grow from where it is now, but it probably also isn't going to get any smaller unless any people die. Um, <laughs> so they can comfortably tour the same venues once a year and basically trot out 
Goo Goo Dolls 90 Minutes. Although the, the second time I went to see them, they played their classic album, apparently. The one, the one, <laughs> that's, the one that's got Iris on it. The but one. <laughs> my takeaway from the Goo Goo Dolls was this, and I saw this from both, both occasions. Uh, growing up in Shitsville, Iris was their only hit. So I, didn't, I wasn't aware of anything before that. And um, I, um, by the way, if you're hearing a ping, that's because New York producer is messaging me. Here, here he is again. Um, Does he not know what we're doing right I just now? think he wants to show that he's, do you know what? I think he's got my computer bugged and he just wants to show how busy he is. He's like going, <laughs> yeah, make sure everyone listening. You listen to these two losers that say their aspirations when they were at school was to be a smoker and to be retired. I'm the genius behind this podcast. I'm the one constantly working. New York producer, quit sexting Campfield and let us get back to the Goo Goo Dolls. Right, so here's my takeaway with the Goo Goo Dolls. I had no idea they did anything other than iris and i had no uh, notion that they previously were kind of a punk rock band until i went to the show right and what became apparent to me and this is just my judgment of of them from seeing them twice was that they were i guess at some point a semi-credible punk rock band who then happened to write this song called iris which a load of soccer moms latched onto. <laughs> and then the main guy, Johnny Smith, Resnick. Is that the main guy? Johnny I, Resnick? Google that. I'm on it. Um, he basically was like, oh, so if I just write three-minute ballad songs and we give up the punk rock, we'll have a lot longer career and we'll be able to do the Macy's Day Parade and stuff like that, because I saw on TV <laughs> right. that, that, that they did that this year. And what's very apparent is that the Goo Goo Dolls, although there are other members that go out on tour, they're now essentially just two people, right? And there's the guy that's clinging on to the punk rock past who looks like he used to be a punk rocker, right? And then there's... It is Johnny Resnick, right? Yeah, yeah, that's his name. Who, who, who basically just wants to be remembered for Iris. But because of their past, there was a section in both shows where Johnny Resnick, and you can tell it's so reluctant, reluctantly lets the punk rock dude sing three <laughs> songs, right? Right, of and course. I swear that not only is Resnick so disinterested in the fact that they're still trying to keep the sort of like punk rock vibe alive. It, he goes to the side of the stage and at one point was playing his guitar with his back turned to like the main <laughs> stage as if to go, oh, Jesus Christ. Like it's almost like, like, you know, if you go see the Rolling Stones, there's always the bit where Keith Richards sings and of you course, know Mick right. Jagger doesn't really want that in the show, but he does because Mick Jagger's about a hundred and he, he needs the break of two songs, right? <laughs> yeah. So when he goes, Mick's going to sing for you now, he'd rather, uh, sorry, when he goes, Keith's going to sing for you now, he'd rather Keith doesn't sing, but, but he, he lets he him sing. He needs Yeah, because he needs a pee break and he needs to sit down. When Johnny Resnick does this, he's literally just like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> he might as well go, I'm going to turn my back now for the three songs where we play. We, here's three songs from the era before Soccer Moms discovered us and we had hits, basically. I just like the photo I'm looking from on Wikipedia is from 2013, and you have it right. Like the other guy, Robbie Takak or something, he's looking like he wants to be in Metallica, where Johnny Riznisnik, these two guys have the hardest names on earth. Right. He's trying so hard to be John Bon Jovi. And if you look at his current look, he has failed miserably to turn into John Bon Jovi. He looks like he's, uh, he definitely looks like a man who's made a lot of effort to keep his youthfulness. I think he's really, really into Caitlyn Jenner because that is the exact look apparently he's going for. All, all these headlines are talking about like, oh, the, the guy. So basically the story is that the Goo Goo Dolls were hosts. They were performed at the tree lighting the rockefeller center tree lighting last oh yeah night. i forgot there was a point to this before right, yeah. i went off on a tangent about my i <laughs> well, was I like i'd get I, back I'm to gonna it i'm gonna spend 10 minutes telling you my personal pain of how i saw the goo dolls live <laughs> twice <laughs> now back to jeremy with the whole reason for doing this well the whole the whole point is everyone was talking about like 
I guess the announcer called the Goo Goo Dolls classic rock and everyone's freaking out about that. But that that shouldn't be the headline. The headline should be clearly Johnny Resnick is in the middle of a transition and just hasn't told anyone. I'm not trying to be canceled. He literally looks like Caitlyn Jenner. There is a thing of uh, um, when rock stars get to a certain age, and I don't know how old he is, that if they keep a certain look, but they age badly, they do start to become grandmas. There, There's a there's a picture that's a meme that is um, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith with his arm around Ronnie Wood from the Stones. Oh. And the and, and that, it's, a, it's a picture of them looking particularly bad. And the meme comes with uh, some words that says something like... Um, <laughs> Can you help? I've lost my grandma. Her name, her name is Betsy. Uh, this is her with her friend Jemima, who she hangs out with occasionally. It's funnier than that. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing <laughs> well, it badly, but there is that there is that that thing where um, sometimes old rock stars morph into grandma. Well, I think the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls can absolutely join that meme because he will be turning 55 in two days. Right. December 5th, so... Yeah, I mean, there was a a couple of years ago, Steven Tyler was... uh, Aerosmith were playing somewhere in South America, and he found some, um, like, mariachi band that were doing Aerosmith as he was walking past, and he joined in with them, and he literally looked like a gypsy grandma that was going <laughs> to say, do they do a thing where they try and show you lucky Heather, like yeah, the, yeah. the flowers, yeah, right? Yeah. I, if, if you didn't tell me it was Steven Tyler, I would have thought that it was a grandma, a gypsy grandma that got bored of trying to sell Lucky Heather and had decided to go sing some Aerosmith for like during a lunch break. Accurate. You know. So, <laughs> well, real quick back to the tangent you were on though. During the two concerts you were forced to go to, when they play those three punk songs, right. do all the soccer moms start to mosh pit? Because that would be a sight to see. No, I think oh, they, that's such a disappointment. No, I think they they all decide that they need the bathroom. Have Have you ever you know the band Slightly Stupid? Yes. So you know they have a lot of like I call it pot rock. Right. There's no other way to describe it. It's just reggae for potheads right. essentially. Yeah. But they all you know they started as a punk band too. So if you go to one of their concerts, they you know the first time they play one of their punk songs, huge mosh pit goes out. Like everyone's jumping around, pushing each other. By the third or fourth punk song that they do, like an hour into their set, everyone has smoked so much weed during their concert that like two guys are pushing each other and the whole entire crowd is just watching them. It's it's the weirdest <laughs> concert experience you will ever have. I highly suggest anyone going to a slightly stupid show smoke way too much weed and watch the people attempt to mosh. So it, it starts... As if it was a, a mosh pit, a metal show, and then after about 30 minutes, it becomes more like interpretive dance. Yeah, it, it turns into like, hey, man, don't bump into me. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll be back with part two and uh, got an update on the Song of the Week score. Stand by, everybody. All right, welcome to uh, part two of uh, Did You America? Now, you know, um, we've referenced Brussels sprout syndrome here. Uh, something Brussels sprouts come from the UK, uh, but then everyone thought they were disgusting until Americans got hold of Brussels sprouts and realized you could actually add some stuff to them when you were cooking them to make them tasty, i.e. taking a British concept and making it better in America because virtually everything is better in America. Um, Not that I want to uh, start a list to disprove Brussels sprout syndrome, but the inverse of that is cucumber syndrome, right? (laughs) Whereby, Whereby... um, cucumbers in England are just better than cucumbers in America. Right. We just turn all of our cucumbers into pickles. Right. But even if you just look at them, I mean, I sent you pictures of cucumbers from the store up the road the other week. And I said, look at the difference. Here's the American ones. Here's the cucumber ones. Which would you rather put in your mouth? Not the ones that had the little nipples at the top. That's what was throwing me off about the picture you sent me. I wasn't (laughs) sure if those were supposed to be the good ones or the bad ones because we turn our cucumbers into pickles here. All right, actually, let's just carry on with this before we get to the song of the week vote so far. So uh, the second thing that can join the cucumber syndrome list 
um, whereby things might be better from the UK. And it, this only occurred to me when I started educating some American friends on this uh, this week. The wonders of Christmas pudding. I, I didn't know because America is very fond of its dessert. And, you know, a lot of parts of America are inhabited by quite large people. I did not know that uh, as much as you like your pumpkin pie and your sweet cherry pie and your apple pie and all that kind of stuff, that Christmas pudding is a thing, very unhealthy but tastes great, that really only Brits know about. You're talking to one of these hefty fellas, and I've definitely never heard of Christmas pudding, but I love pudding, and so, I'm very intrigued. So it's... um. Like Christmas cake, you know, that's traditionally a fruit cake. Right. It's similar to that, only it's more dense and it comes uh, in pudding form. And um, so I was sort of texting a a couple of friends about this and one of them became so intrigued, he went away and and Googled Christmas pudding and discovered this 30-minute YouTube tutorial on it where they went into great detail about how it dates back to Dickens' times in the UK. And um, this is the most intriguing thing about Christmas pudding, and this is just my, this is the reason I'm putting it out there as something that's great, and this is coming from me as a non-drinker. If you go to the effort of making a Christmas pudding, and if you want the traditional recipe, it's quite involved. I mean, I would have to take probably two trips to Bed Bath & Beyond just to get the <laughs> utensils right. required for this. <laughs> Um, if you make the Christmas pudding, it can last a long time. It will keep for several years. And the thing that keeps it for that long is because it is layered with hard liquor. Oh, hell yeah. So it's basically (laughs) the most alcoholic type pudding you can imagine to the extent that I bought one from the British shop. There's a place called British Emporium in, uh, here in, uh, DFW, and I bought the Christmas pudding in December 2019. It is good until March 2022. Oh my god! Right, and I don't, I don't even keep it in the fridge. I haven't unwrapped it, so it's tightly wrapped and it's in a box. But the thing that is sustaining that pudding <laughs> is the fact that it's basically brandy in a fermented pudding form. Oh my god, that sounds delightful. And the other thing that one of my friends discovered while he was uh, watching this YouTube presentation on uh, you know how it dates back to British times is that because there is so much of a high alcohol concentration, the old school way of serving a Christmas pudding, because you're supposed to eat it hot, is to set it on fire. So <laughs> rather, rather than put... I mean, you can just put them in the microwave, which would be my preferred way of doing it. But if you want to go Dickensian, you set the pudding on fire. It's very flammable because, remember, there's so much brandy in it, it'll keep oh for two, two plus years. <laughs> and basically, you bring it... I mean, forget your... What's those Japanese places called? Hibachi. Right, forget yeah. your hibachi grill. <laughs> that is the far safer version of this. I mean, no Hibachi grills have ever burned down. No, if never. You, if you want to legitimately serve <laughs> Christmas pudding, you might be uh, tempting fate and burning down your house on Christmas Day when you set light to the pudding, which will naturally engulf in flames because of its alcohol- uh, alcoholic content. I like that it's basically a giant food version of a flaming Dr. Pepper shot. They're just like, catch it on fire and chug it down. That's pretty much, uh, <laughs> pretty much what it is. So anyway, I, I didn't want to labor the point. But um, I might have found two things that are better in the UK, cucumbers and Christmas pudding. Yeah, we, that's definitely somewhere we need to step up in America. I we- mean, I don't like the, the corner of, um, of uh, Tom Thumb or uh, Kroger where they're knocking out the $3 pumpkin pies. They don't really hold a light to what I've just explained to, as to, for Christmas pudding to be. Right. Boozy desserts are the way of the future. I want a tequila pie next. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and, and, and how boozy is boozy enough? So boozy that if it's meant to be served hot, you don't put it in the oven. You set light to it, <laughs> and that will heat the pudding up. I'm all about it. All right. I don't know if I should necessarily be recommending you try that at home, but I guess I have recommended you try that at home the only downside is as you explained to me before this podcast if you're used to like making jello pudding on the stove like the chocolate pudding you get in the box 
Apparently, Christmas pudding doesn't have the chocolate film at the top, and everyone knows that is the best part of pudding. Please go on. Right, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's because you're from England. Well, yeah, the only thing we got on top is fire. <laughs> yeah. We have flames. Wait till you have this delicious chocolate film. You don't, I mean, again, I don't, I, I'm America's biggest fan, but if we're going to, uh, apart from the cucumbers, if we're going to take anything else from the UK as an example of how to do things better, you haven't had great dessert until it's been on fire in front of you. <laughs> I want pyro with my pie, <laughs> is what I'm saying. So, yeah, Christmas pudding, kids. YouTube it and uh, let me know. Uh, send us a bit. Get on TikTok with that shit. Why is no one setting fire to Christmas puddings on TikTok? That should be the new phenomenon. Get on it, kids. Send us videos of you chugging that pie. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, i tell you something else I've seen uh, talking of online. I'm kind of... Uh, I, I, do you care what your friends streamed the most on Spotify? Because no. I, I think this is what drove me to A, checking out Cobra Kai, which I was very <laughs> underwhelmed by, and B, getting into the history of British Christmas pudding. Because anytime I went to Instagram, all I saw was, you know, how much Dua Lipa my friends had been, <laughs> had been listening to in 2020. And I don't really care. I also feel like... You know, people are now knowing that those photos are going to come at the end of the year. They're definitely editing what they're listening to on Spotify throughout the year. People have way more embarrassing tastes of music than they're portraying. Right, yeah. And I don't know whether this is just me being old. I feel like, I, I, you know, if you ever use MySpace, hearing stuff on there, or even going way, way, way back, where people would make, like, mixtapes of things and you'd listen to stuff. Right. And then, you know... Um, have to go to a record store to try and find it like this is the i loved this sounds stupid if i heard something a new song by a band i'd never heard of and then it was really really hard to get there was something so rewarding about going to five different record stores and being told no i've never heard of that where is it and then eventually getting that bit of vinyl Right? Right. Whereas now you can stream anything you want on Spotify, which to some extent is great. But these lists that I'm seeing as to uh, what my friends have been listening to the most, um, maybe not so much. So um, the most streamed artist in 2020 on Spotify, Bad Bunny. Can yeah. you name a song? No, it's not for me. Uh, the Weekend Most Streamed Song with Blinding Lights. I know that one. It's a good song. That's uh, I've eaten my face off because I've done too much coke. Right? That's the that's, guy, that's, right. That's that song. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. That one? Yeah, yeah, that's the one where he's like, he just got beat up and his face is all messed up. Right, yeah. see, so I know got that it. one. Right, uh, and that's good. And the most, uh, the, the biggest podcast, the Joe Rogan experience. Having said this, you know, I just said that I am bored of seeing what all of my friends have been streaming on Spotify. If this time next year, Did You America starts showing up, then I'm all about those posts. I was going to say, why did you just promote that other inferior podcast? You should have just told the audience, number one, Did You America. It's crazy. <laughs> all 8 million episodes. People love them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's fake news that Joe Rogan is the number one podcast, the biggest podcast, the most streamed on Spotify this year. Did You America, even though we've only been on Spotify since the end of October. Joe Rogan is an android. Don't forget it. Um, other uh, polls that have come out, the Entertainment Weekly's Entertainers of the Year. Now here, I felt like I had more of my finger on the pulse. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, know who he is. Seen Black Panther. Taylor Swift, couldn't name a song, but I'm aware of her. I mean, I probably... Um, hang on. Wait. The Tiger? No, that's Katy Perry. No, that, that was... I'm pretty sure... Something with Tiger. Eye of the Tiger? No, right? That's, the Tiger. That is not Taylor Swift. No, um Hold on. You you rap, I'm on it. I um but I don't you know, I would never need to listen to Taylor Swift. Uh but you know, I, I think that she's good at what she does. Yeah, the the Google search of Taylor Swift Tiger didn't come up with anything. So I say we just move on. Okay. Taylor Swift is a known person. And the uh, father son from Shit's Creek, I'm familiar with their work as well. So so that's good. I uh, what I, a come up for Eugene Levy in 2020. You know, forever he was just known as the guy with the bushy eyebrows that would like pop up and stuff. Now, like, he's one of the biggest stars, according to this list. You can imagine that, because um, the guy who plays his son in Schitt's Creek is his actual son, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, his son came to him with the idea of Schitt's Creek, and Eugene Levy said, look, 
I'm about to make another movie with the people from Spinal Tap where I'm the token guy with the big bushy <laughs> eyebrows. I'm kind of busy. If you think that some TV network are going to seriously take an idea of a comedy show from my son who's, named, who's known for being on MTV in Canada. I mean, <laughs> how ridiculous. Really? You think we can get the mum from Home Alone to be in your sitcom idea? No, 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 no. Canadian TV is also, like, really, really strange. Like, we had a conversation, I think, last week where we were talking about the show Shameless. I said I didn't like the British version because British TV is just different. Canadian TV is ten times weirder. The Have you have you ever seen the show, like, Trailer Park Boys? I've seen uh, excerpts from it. Okay, then there's, like, a show Letter Kenny, which is basically the same thing, but for, like, hockey players, I guess. And every once in a while, one of these Canadian comedies will come down and get popular in America. Right. And at first, it'll be, like, an obscure thing that some people watch, and then all of a sudden, it's, like, the biggest show in the world, and then people just kind of forget about it, because it's a weird Canadian TV show. Right. That's basically what Shit's Creek did. My reference point for Canadian TV, uh, I remember in the in Shitsville, um, not Shit's Creek. Shitsville is what I call the UK, <laughs> just in, just in case you're. Uh, you, it's you basically have, you the same up. place. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, Shit's Creek was basically one road in a middle of nowhere town that had everything on it, and Shitsville is the UK, much bigger, much more stuff. But you could condense it down to that one road for overall how good it is, really, <laughs> to be fair. Makes sense. Um, the Kids in the Hall, they're Canadian, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that was on in Chitsville and kind of popular for, for about five minutes. And I just remember that they had a, a, a song about Daves that they know. And, <laughs> and, it, and, and, and it went, these are the Daves I know, I know, these are the Daves I know. And then it was the cast of The Kids in the Hall singing about each of them as if they were called Dave, and that was it. <laughs> That's a genius idea. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have their uh, their background in comedy with like that show on SCTV, which is where Eugene Levy came from. Right. So there's a history of it, but if you're an American, it, it's just weird. Right. All we see Canadians, because of South Park, Canadians will always be guys with just like flapping heads and they say like a boot way too much. That's all it is. It should be blamed for every issue. But, but embrace yourself. I'm about to say something controversial. Shit's Creek, Canadian TV show, arguably funnier than South Park is now or not. Um, I would disagree. I think others would probably agree with you, but I'm a, I'm a firm believer of South Park is the single most important show and every single child should be forced to watch every episode. Right, okay. Uh, we got some Texas news for you, uh, but before I get to that, let's update you on um, Song of the Week. Digiumerica.com is the place you can go to to vote, or if you want to vote, uh, you can on my Twitter uh, which is Ian Canfield. Uh, this week, Jeremy's Choice, 1995 by Juicy J, 5%. Hey! Uh, Cling to Life by Hatebreed, which was my choice, 30%. New York producer running away with 65% of the vote for the song Chills by Grandma. Okay. Yeah. He just got it for the name. Yeah. That's a great name. I don't know... Um, Jamie Jasta, the guy from Hatebreed, I spent about two minutes on the previous podcast promoting Jasta's pasta. How do you say it? Jasta's pasta. Right, you got exactly. It. Um, give us a tweet about your new music. I don't like. I'm I'm losing this battle, and I basically gave you a free infomercial for your pasta. Or send us some pasta. We're hungry. Uh, so yeah, Cling to Life by Hatebreed, 1995 by Juicy J, or Chills by Grandma. Uh, you can vote up until Monday morning at didyouamerica.com slash song or get onto my Twitter poll, uh, which is on my Twitter, uh, where I am, Ian Canfield. Uh, right, before we go this week, let's do some um, news out of Texas. Uh, first of all, now, you know, I subscribe to the idea that everything is bigger and better in Texas, but I'm very not happy about this restaurant in San Antonio where a diner gave a waitress a $2,000 tip, which is a beautiful thing. And then this restaurant in San Antonio said they couldn't give her the money because they couldn't process a tip that big. That is not a Texas way to do things. Not only that, like how unsuccessful is this restaurant that they can't manage to get like $2,000 out? 
That's really not that much if you're doing consistent business. This is uh, when I had a job, a debate that we would have on air every so often about whether we do or don't become a cashless society. And I understand that people just want to carry their credit cards around now. And especially since COVID, um, they think, I mean, before COVID, every so often you'd read one of those stories about the amount of yucky stuff you'd get on dollar bills. Right, right. Um, Cocaine. well, yes, that's very true. I mean, if you, you know, if you lick the right dollar bill enough, you could probably get very high. Wait, really? Yeah, give me a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a there's a, a ten dollar bill in the back of my wallet. If you sniff it five times, you'll be up for three days. <laughs> five sniffs for three days, I call it. Uh, that's not true. But it is true that there's supposed to be I mean, residue of all kinds. Of, I mean, put it this way. And this is not a pro-drug statement. But if, if you've got, if cocaine is what you find as the most prominent residue on a dollar bill, you're kind of lucky <laughs> in regard of some of the other stuff that you could find. So therefore, people go, oh, you know, we could live as a... Um, as a cashless society. But I I always said, and this was a point we bring up on the radio show, uh, what about the people that work for tips? Uh, And because you get situations like this where a restaurant can't process a tip for two grand and also people that work in the service industries that are given good tips because they provide good service and then the assholes they work for in their diner or their restaurant don't give them that tip. Like if it goes on a credit card, the tip doesn't go straight to the person who's been putting in all the work. And as someone who is probably about to end up working in a diner because I can't (laughs) get a job on the radio, I'm not happy with that. (laughs) See, I... I'm all for tipping. I'm actually one of the a-holes that like I just I tend to give way too much when I tip just because no, I'm that's not great, good at but, math. But, but do you not do you not make an effort to tip in cash? I always pay my bill using a credit card and then right. I give the tip directly to the person in cash because I've just got in my head that maybe whoever they work for is not going to let them have the tips. Yeah. See, I'm working on such a constant debt in my bank that there's no handing cash over. It's like, you'll get this money eventually. (laughs) I, uh, my thing is really like, I just, there's too many, there's too many rules with tipping. I think that's where people get lost. Like, okay, let me ask you this. When you order takeout, do you tip? Yeah. Okay. I do too. Some people don't. For the delivery. No, no. Like even if I, I, if I, I get, if I get a receipt and there's a tip line, I feel shamed into writing something. Well, in that I, I, for a start, I would always tip if I was doing Uber Eats yeah. or, or any of the delivery, of course. Because if you don't tip that driver, you don't know what they're going to do with your food between the restaurant and your apartment. I've always wondered that. Like, do you do again? You, you think, think again? You'd be really lucky if cocaine was the only residue that you were finding <laughs> on the dollar bills or right. your food. <laughs> well, like. If I was an Uber Eats driver and let's say I picked up, you know, fast food and they got some fries, I'm eating some of those fries. That's a guarantee whether they tip or not. Such so slob. You're so, <laughs> such a, I, I actually genuinely believe that you would do that. No, that's a fact. I absolutely would. Every time I've ever ordered something with fries, I'm like, they ate some. I the one time uh, I, I've always found that the, um, the food arrives uh, quickly and um, it's warm. The only time I ever had an issue, and this was at the start of COVID was um, they had very strict delivery policies about the, uh, you know, contactless drop-off and all right, that, which right. I guess, Pete, I haven't ordered delivery food in some time, but I guess that's still a thing. But at, at this point, it was just as COVID has hit, so everyone was, these are the new regulations and we must stick to them. So strict regulations. And um, the, so the person comes to deliver my food. They rang my phone while I was in the bathroom. So I got back to the phone within 60 seconds, right? But I couldn't get hold of them on whatever the number was. And rather than trying to call me again for me to go get the food downstairs in my apartment building, right? they sent me a photo of where they'd left <laughs> my hot food in a carrier bag, which was around the side of one of the flower pots oh, out the front annoying. of my building. Well, not not only that is that, I mean, like, if they were doing that in front of your front door, that's one thing. But, like, 
to leave it outside the apartment building? Like, anyone could get that. Well, well, I was more concerned about a dog pissing up it. Again, about the type of... You'd be lucky or, if you just had cocaine right. residue. Again, Because what the dogs do up at flower pots, they pee, right? Not only, not only the dogs, the homeless people near here. Oh, my God. <laughs> they, your food got peed on. I mean, it was the very tasty <laughs> Asian fusion. <laughs> it had an extra kick. It, was, it, it could have been fusioned beyond just the Asian food delicacies that were on the menu but that that was my and again it was they were doing the protocol of contactless delivery and i, I kind of like the idea that they sent a photo so i knew which flower pot my food was by but i live on the fifth floor and as you say by the time i got walked from my apartment to the elevator got in the elevator went down to the 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 first floor and then used my photo the photo to discern which flower pot my hot food was (laughs) waiting behind yeah it could have been um you know um peed on Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. It's uh, the, the 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 extra ingredients just to you know. The, 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 oh, it's a bit salty. <laughs> but oh, so good. The other uh, story that I have for you um, out of uh, Texas today before we go, Mayor of Austin. What were you thinking? <laughs> um, he posted a video this week saying that um, they're going to have to shut everything down if uh, the people of Austin aren't careful because their COVID rates are spiking. And he basically said, look, stay home. That's the best thing to do. I'm not telling you that we're shutting everything down, but if you don't stay home, then we probably will have to and uh, behave accordingly. And then it was later discovered that in this video where he was telling everyone to stay home, he was actually in Mexico at some (laughs) big party and that the day before he'd attended his daughter's wedding in Mexico and flown out of Austin on a private jet. So private jet from Austin to Mexico hosted a wedding for his daughter next day while still in Mexico posts a video to go on, I guess, his social media saying, hi, little people of Austin, we've got a COVID problem. Please all stay indoors. I got to say, 2020 has not been the year for mayors. Like every mayor that has gone famous has gone famous for telling his city to wear a mask and then is seen in public not wearing a mask. Because I think that the thing with being a mayor is that, yeah, you've got responsibilities, but it's sort of... If you want to get into politics, but you don't want the real hardcore stuff, <laughs> so you want to have fun, right. there are more fun aspects to being a mayor than becoming a, a full-on politician, right? But then COVID hits and nothing is any fun for anyone anymore. And suddenly you're like, damn, I became mayor because I was going to cut ribbons when new, new Kroger's were opening here, there, and everywhere. And I was going to become mayor so I could give keys to the city to people that do good stuff, but then really enjoy the fact that everything I'm giving them for free, I can also piggyback on the back of that. And then suddenly, you know, COVID hits and it all becomes really sensible. Ain't no fun being a mayor no more. I think this generation of mayors was clearly really inspired by the former mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford, oh. the, the Crack addicted mayor. I mean, people, and now they're like, "Oh my god, we actually have to work." What is this? I mean, people talk about Rudy Giuliani uh, maybe being a great mayor for New York back in the day, and, and now people have uh, are a kind of suspect as to whether or not he's he's still got all of his marbles because of some of the things that he's done. Right. Um, the mayor of all mayors, former mayor of Toronto, sadly no longer with us, Rob Ford, the man who was uh, caught smoking crack several times. Uh, he basically he got busted smoking crack and then went on to have a litany of things that he got involved with that 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 mayors shouldn't have been doing. There was more crack. There were hookers. Hey, do you remember? Uh, he got videoed going into a um uh an Afro Caribbean uh takeout talking patois being the whitest man there was like he went into some jamaican food place and probably out of his mind and decided it was kind of good to like get along with the people in there by speaking some kind of jamaican patois he's like hey you bumbaclata let me get one of them in the pocket it was exactly what it was like 
And that ended up being like Italian at the end. That was a bad accent. I used to do a, a radio show in, in Shitsville, and um, I, I think he he made it into the news the one time in England uh, when he got busted smoking crack, and then not really anything beyond that. But he uh, became a running thing on my radio show because it, we would when well, we would bill him as. Crack smoking mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford, just to reset in everyone's memory <laughs> it's a what, proper he, title. what he was famous for. And then we say, today, caught on camera, knocking a three-year-old over doing a rugby tackle, which I, I might be getting this slightly wrong. I'm fairly certain that during his, his mayoral reign, he went to a school sports day or something. And, you know, he was a fully grown, quite large man, probably of about 50, (laughs) and said, oh, yeah, I'll play a game of rugby with the kids. Uh. And uh, and there was... And I'm pretty certain there's footage of Rob Ford basically getting in a scrum and just knocking these three-year-olds out of the way. You know, I think... Uh, sure, there's a split opinion now on Rudy Giuliani, but post-9-11, everyone in America loved Rudy Giuliani. He was America's mayor. Right. I think for all the people who have fallen off the Rudy bandwagon, we need to now start promoting Rob Ford, may he rest in peace, as the single greatest example of a mayor in the history of politics. Yeah, because I'm just running... There are more examples than that. I'm, that that was just off the top of my head, some of the things that I remember we spoke about with, with Rob Ford. The other thing, before we go, about the mayor of Austin that I find rather suspicious is that his name is Stephen Adler, which is also the name of the Guns N' Roses drummer who drummed on their first album, Appetite for Destruction, right? So, wait, real quick. Was that the drummer who, like, recently also was accused of murder or something? Or was that a different Guns N' Roses drummer? No, that was a drummer from ACDC. Oh, okay. And by the way, by the way, by the way, that's all fine now. Like, he, he got arrested for having a house full of crack and um, trying to hire a hitman to get someone arrested. What was he, running for mayor of Toronto? (laughs) (laughs) But he's back in ACDC now. Okay, okay. They they couldn't tour with him last time because he he was under house arrest. He's he's with them back for this new album? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He's back on the new album, and if they do any shows, if shows can happen next year, he'll absolutely be uh, be, be back in the band. Right, so different messed up drummer, my bad. It's funny because he's the long-running drummer in ACDC, and they've had a couple of others during their career who didn't work out, but for, like, way less reasons. But the guy who got busted, like, with a house full of crack, trying to hire a hitman... To kill someone who he employed at his restaurant, right? <laughs> ACDC are fine with that. Yeah, Brian Johnson was like, yeah, no, he plays great drums. Yeah, we need him. Literally. He was like, he can keep time on You Shook Me All Night Long. He's the only one who's got the swing right on he, that. He can't yell fire without him. Right, well, you know, that, that might be a thing. That might be a thing. <laughs> who's going who's gonna to fire off the cannon? Right. <laughs> it takes a certain type of drummer not to lose time when the cannons are exploding. Exploding, right? Imagine you're drumming and then you get the bang of the cannons when Infolo's about to rock, right? It takes a certain type of drummer not to be thrown out of time. It's got to be him. Steven Adler couldn't do that. Well, so back to my point. No, I don't think Steven Adler could do that because Steven Adler, so he's on Appetite for Destruction, right? So he's drummed on some of the best known um, Guns N' Roses songs because Appetite for Destruction has got Sweet Child of Mine, right. Paradise City, Welcome to the Jungle, all that kind of thing. If you see Stephen Adler from Guns N' Roses now, he's not in the best shape. He's been on Celebrity Rehab several times. Um, he drums in his own band. Like, there's a reason they didn't get Stephen Adler back when the big Guns N' Roses reunion happened a few years ago. Right. So he's got his own band called Adler's Appetite, who I believe just play Appetite for Destruction in full. <laughs> and, and while... <laughs> What are you laughing at? What a great concept. We're just going to play this one album. If anything, we're going to drop the rest of the band. It's just going to be me on drums. Do you think that's what it is? I, I didn't... That's how I heard it. <laughs> I didn't... Welcome, Steven Adler playing drums for two hours. <laughs> so he just... You get Appetite for Destruction, the full album, but just the drums. No guitars, no <laughs> lyrics. Hit him with the drums, baby. See, I was going to suggest that while Axl Rose and Slash, etc., 
are headlining stadiums now with their version of Guns N' Roses. The reason why Steven Adler is playing a 700 capacity club like Trees is because he's not very good at drumming his own songs. <laughs> but it might just be that he's such an acquired taste because you're not getting the other instruments on Appetite for Destruction. You're just getting his drums. He's like Yoko Ono's screaming albums. You know, it's just him drumming. That's all you need. It's artsy. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that might be it so anyway my theory was does it not strike you as strange that for as messed up as Stephen adler the drummer may or may not be that apparently the guy who drummed on guns N' roses debut album and it, you know should be getting royalties for playing on some of the biggest rock songs of our time is actually not in a good space meanwhile Stephen adler the mayor of austin can apparently afford to fly on a private jet to Mexico to his daughter's wedding. Do you think there's a mix-up of their bank accounts? <laughs> Something I fishy mean, here. I, I understand that sometimes people who are very successful in business and make a lot of money go into politics. But would you not think that the guy who drummed on Guns N' Roses' debut album is more likely to be able to afford the private jet than the mayor of Austin. And we know for a fact they aren't the same person. Have we ever seen them in the same room together? I haven't. No, and there was... Um, uh, Stephen Adler, for a while, was in uh, such financial dire straits that his mum, Stephen Adler from Guns N' Roses, okay. his mum launched a YouTube cooking series. It's called Cooking with Mama Adler. And she was making more money than him. Oh, no. And that might be because the mayor of Austin Runs has fixed, fixed the bank accounts. Wow. I think clearly what we've the lesson we've learned from all of this is the corruption in politics and what we have learned from the greatest mayor ever, Rob Ford. We need to replace Mayor Adler and elect... Guns N' Roses' Steven Adler <laughs> as the next mayor of Austin, Texas. Yeah, because I tell you this, if you look at a picture of Steven Adler now, he strikes me as a man who doesn't leave the house very often. So in terms of... Uh, Unless spreading... he's going to buy more crack, because I am looking at a picture right now, and it's terrifying. In terms of like spreading the stay-at-home COVID doctrine, <laughs> Steven Adler, the drummer, is doing a better job of practicing what he preaches than Steven Adler, <laughs> the mayor of Austin. All right, I think that's more than enough for today. Um... DidYouAmerica.com is where you need to go if you want to uh, talk to us. Uh, you can actually literally talk to us on the website if you want to leave us a voice message or if you want to um, send us a message, you can type there or uh, get to me on social media, Ian Camfield on Twitter, Camfield off the radio on Instagram. Uh, but DidYouAmerica.com, the place to go to for all things relating to this show. Um, we'll be back for those of you who listen in something approaching real time on Monday afternoon. Thanks for listening to this one.